And welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 51. We finished in 1 Samuel chapter 8 yesterday, so we're going to start in 1, chapter, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9 today. First one, there was a prominent man uh, of Benjamin named Kish. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man. There was no one more impressive among the Israelites than he. He stood a head taller than anyone else. And so we see that there's a man, a prominent man, um, a Benjamin. His name was Kish. So they're Benjamites, obviously. And he had an impressive young man named Saul who stood a foot taller or a head taller than anybody else. And so one day, uh, some donkeys... Uh, from from uh, Kish's property, they they wandered off, and so Kish sends Saul and a servant out to find his his property. He says, "Go, you know, retrieve my donkeys." And so that's what they do. They go leave, and they start venturing around trying to find the donkeys. They can't find the donkeys anywhere, and so they keep wandering around, and they're still having no success. And so it says in verse six, "Look," the servant said, "There's a man of God in this city who is highly respected. Everything he says is sure to come true." Let's go there now. Maybe he'll tell us which way we should go. So they come across the city. And so uh, the servant says, this is what I've heard, essentially. So let's go check it out. And so it says uh, in verse 14, so they went up towards the city. Saul and his servant uh, were entering the city when they saw Samuel coming towards them on his way to the high place. And so Samuel is on his way up to worship the Lord. In verse 15, now the day before Saul's arrival, the Lord had informed Samuel, at this time tomorrow I will send a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him ruler over my people. He will save them from the Philistines because I have seen the affliction of my people for their cry has come to me. So the Lord said, look, I've heard my people cry out because of the Philistines. So I'm sending you, you know, a, a king that they've requested and he'll be there tomorrow. And this is what to look out for. And so... And so that's what happens. And so Saul approaches the city. They're looking, they're looking for uh, Samuel, and Samuel is looking for Saul. And so then uh, Saul comes upon Samuel, and he asks him, are you he? Are you the seer? And so in, in uh, verse 19, uh, Samuel says, I am the seer. Go up ahead of me to the high place and eat with me today. When I send you off in the morning, I'll tell you everything that's in your heart. As for the donkeys that wandered away from you three days ago, don't worry about them because they've been found. Now, this is the first time that Samuel or that Saul gets an indication that Samuel is truly a seer or prophet because he has told him something that, Sam, that Saul didn't tell Samuel. He told him, look, you went on this journey to find these donkeys. Don't worry about them because they've been found. And so, and then Samuel adds something. He says, and who does all Israel desire but you and all your father's family? So Saul is, is, is like beside himself. He says, that sounds like an innocent question, but he's reading into the question. And in, in, in verse 21, Saul responded, Am I not a Benjamite from the smallest of Israel's tribes? And isn't my clan uh, the least important of all the clans of the Benjamite tribe? So why have you said something like that to me? So Saul is like, wait a minute now. You, you said... And who does Israel desire but you and all your father's family? And so Saul is, see, uh, yeah, Saul is saying that, wait a minute, you're saying something critical here, and I don't get it. Who am I that Israel should desire me and my family? I'm nothing. I come from a small clan. And then that clan is from a small tribe. So what's going on here? And so uh, the next day, you know, they go to have dinner. And the next day, uh, uh, Samuel says, Saul, get up. 
you know, it's time for you to get up and go, you and your servants. So they go to the edge of the city, and then uh, Samuel tells Saul, well, send your servant ahead of you. Come, come with me. I got something to do. And so in chapter uh, 10, verse 1, Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it out on Saul's head, kissed him, and said, hasn't the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? So ma- imagine if you're Saul and Samuel is, is anointing you and telling you that, 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 that you're the ruler of all Israel. You know, it's like, his inheritance. Like, so, so what might have been going through Saul's head? I don't know. And so, um, and so we continue on, and, and uh, Samuel is telling Saul everything that's going to happen to him that day after he leaves the city. He's prophesying to him, you're going to come across a couple guys and this is going to happen. You're going to come, come across another couple guys and this is going to happen. And he's telling them what's going to go down for the rest of the day. And he says uh, in, verse five, in, verse, in verse 5, he says, After that you will come to Gibeah of God where there are uh, Philistine garrisons. So he says, you're going to come. There's some Philistine armed troops there. When you arrive at that city... You will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place prophesying. They will be preceded by harps, tambourines, flutes, and lyres. Verse 6, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully on you. You will prophesy with them, and you will be transformed. When these signs have happened to you, do whatever your circumstances require because God is with you. So he's telling them, look, you're going to come across these prophets, and you're going to join them. You're going to start prophesying with them. In verse 9, um, when Saul turned around to leave Samuel, God changed his heart. So I don't know how Saul's heart got changed. I don't know what God did. I don't know what he was thinking and how his heart changed. But the word says that God changed his heart. So something internal changed in Saul when he uh, left the city. <clears throat> in verse 10, when Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a group of prophets met him. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully on him. And he prophesied along with them. So just like Samuel said, you know, this is what's going to happen. That's what happened. In verse 11, everyone who knew him previously and saw him prophesy with the prophets asked each other, what has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And so obviously this is something unusual, you know, because everybody noticed that Saul was prophesying. What was he prophesying? We don't know. It doesn't say, but obviously it was noticeable. And so the people are asking essentially what's going on. If we drop down to verse 17, uh, you know, after all of this is taking place, it says, Samuel summoned the people to the Lord at Mizpah. And so he summoned all the people, all the lands together, you know, and, uh, and he said to all the Israelites, he said, today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your troubles and afflictions. You said to him, you must set a king before him. And so, yes, uh, so we see what's going on with Saul, that Saul has, um, I mean, with, uh, yeah, with Saul, that Samuel has anointed Saul as king, and so on and so forth. Uh, but, but, but Samuel calls all the people together, and he says, he's about to tell them, you know, what the situation is um, as far as uh, uh, anointing a king, because the people don't know yet that a king is coming. They have just asked for a king. And so Saul has told them, or Samuel has told them, you said, um, you must set a king before us, and he's telling you, he's telling the people that this is wicked, but okay, this is what you want. And so as uh, all the people are gathered, he starts whittling them down. And then he calls forth the tribe of Benjamin, starts whittling that down, gets to the clan uh, that uh, Saul is from, and finally Saul. And it says, finally Saul, son of Kish, was selected. 
But when they searched for him, they could not find him. So Saul was selected, but he disappeared. And then uh, verse 22, it says, the Lord replied, there he is hidden among the supplies. They ran and got him from there. When he stood among the people, he stood a head taller than anyone else. Verse 24, Samuel said to all the people, do you see the one the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among the entire population. And so they, they, they bring a reluctant Saul out who stands a head taller than everybody else. And, and Samuel is essentially saying, see, see what the Lord has done for you. You requested a king, even though it was evil, I'm giving you a king. And isn't he impressive? <laughs> and so, and all the people shouted, long live the king. And so obviously they were very, very pleased with this selection. And so verse 26, it says, Saul went to his home in uh, Gibeah and brave men whose hearts um, God had touched went with him. So his, 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 his crew has gone with him back to Gibeah. But some wicked men said, how can this guy save us? They despised him and did not bring him a gift. But Saul said nothing. So obviously Saul took notice that there were some people that weren't happy with this selection, but he didn't say anything about it. As we go on to chapter 11, it says, Nahash the Ammonite came up to lay siege to Jabesh Gilead. All the men of Jabesh said to him, make a treaty with us and we will serve you. And so here our Ammonite comes, lays siege to the land, and the, and, and the men of the land said, wait a minute, make a treaty, treaty with us and we'll give up. In verse 2, Nahash the Ammonite replied, <laughs> I'll make one with you on this condition, that I gouge out everyone's right eye and, humili and humiliate all Israel. And so obviously he wasn't interested in a real treaty, but this is how the men responded. Uh, verse three, don't do anything to us for seven days, the elders of Jabesh said to him, and let us send messengers throughout the territory of Israel. If no one saves us, then we will surrender to you. And so in other words, let us seek help. And if we get help, okay, then we'll fight you. If we don't get help, we'll surrender to you. And so apparently Nahash agrees to this, but who in their right mind would agree to waiting for reinforcements? Just go take over the land. But that's not what they did. They waited. And so the men of Jabesh send messengers out throughout Israel. And it says in verse six, when Saul heard these words, the spirit of God uh, suddenly came powerfully on him and his anger burned furiously. And so Saul was, was, was incensed by this. In verse 7, he took a team of oxen, cut them in pieces, and sent them throughout the territory of Israel by messengers who said, this is what will be done to the ox of anyone who doesn't march behind Saul and Samuel. And so Samuel is essentially threatening the rest of Israel. If you don't come and support me, then I'm going to come there and I'm going to start wiping out your livestock. And it says, as a result, the terror of the Lord fell on the people and they went out united. And so they were terrified by what, by what the symbol was. And so then they went out. Uh, to support Saul. In verse 8, Saul counted them at Bezak. There were 300,000 uh, Israelites and 30,000 men from Judah. And so there are 330,000 uh, uh, fighting men, warriors. So that that's a large number. And so he, he assembled a, a, a mass, or he amassed a large army to go against Nahash, the Ammonite. And so it says early the next morning, um, it says, uh, what is this in verse 11? Uh, the next day, Saul organized the troops into three divisions. During the morning, watch, they invaded the Ammonite camp and slaughtered them until the heat of the day. So he wiped them out. And, um, and so Israel uh, wiped out the, that particular threat. And then in verse 14, it says, um, 
Then Samuel said to the people, come, let's go to Gilgal so we can renew the kingship there. So all the people went to Gilgal and, uh, and there in the Lord's presence, they made Saul king. So Saul had just led a tremendous victory, kind of um, um, ratifying his kingship, if you will, or verifying his kingship. And so then Samuel says, okay, let's go and let's renew, let's essentially coronate Saul at Gilgal. And so then um, we go to chapter 12. It says, then Saul said to all Israel, I have carefully listened to everything you said to me and placed the king over you. Now you can see that the king is leading you. And so he placed the king over them. They had a battle and then they won and everything was cool, apparently. But then Samuel starts going through some history things and whatnot, telling the people about themselves, basically. And then in verse 16, uh, he says, uh, now present yourselves and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. And it says um, in verse 17, isn't the wheat harvest today? I will call on the Lord and he will send thunder and rain so that you will recognize what an immense evil you committed in the Lord's sight by requesting a king for yourself. And so wheat harvest is like May, June. It's a dry time. It's not time for rains and whatnot. And so Samuel was saying, isn't this a dry season? Well, I'm going to send thunder and rain and you will know that this is the Lord talking because you asked for a king. It says in verse 18, Samuel called on the Lord, and on that day the Lord sent thunder and rain. As a result, all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Verse 19, they pleaded with Samuel, Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so we won't die, for we have added to all our sins, for we have added to all our sins the evil of requesting a king for ourselves. In verse 20, Samuel replied, don't be afraid. Even though you have committed all this evil, don't turn away from following the Lord. Instead, worship the Lord with all your heart. So don't be afraid and run away from God when you screw up. Turn, turn towards him and run towards him. Verse 21, don't, don't, turn away, <laughs> don't turn away to follow worthless things that can't uh, profit or rescue you. They are worthless. Verse 22, the Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name and because he has determined to make you his own people. And so the Lord has determined to make us in his own image and likeness and be like him. And so we are prone to screw up, but don't turn away when we screw up. Run towards him, not away from him. Get back in alignment with him, not further out of alignment. And with that, we'll see you in episode 52 tomorrow. Bye-bye now.